last week. Quick stories out of Humboldt County, California on Apple, Spotify, major podcast networks, and HumboldtLastWeek.com. Humboldt Last Week. Hey, it's Miles. Please remember to send in your thoughts on anything in this episode for your chance to be the featured commenter in the next one. For episode 166, a local doctor chats with us about COVID-19. In addition to that, this episode is about fighting the virus together as a community in Humboldt, how it's impacting some pop culture with ties to Humboldt, a perfect local example of rising above in these tough times, a locally developed athlete gets a huge name teammate, and a yearning for something dear to Humboldt's past. Humboldt Last Week is free thanks to these amazing locals. That's the North Coast Co-op, your local member-owned full-service natural food store where COVID-19 concerns are being addressed and where everyone is welcome. North Coast Co-op in Arcata and Eureka. Brick and Fire Bistro in Eureka, open for curbside pickup noon to 7.30 and 25% off. The menu entices before we call in at brickandfirebistro.com. Bongo Boy Studio, everything sanitized and no sessions with those showing symptoms. Check out the high-end equipment at bongoboystudio.com. Still in Eureka, Humboldt's finest head shop and culture store. Check their Instagram and Facebook feeds to stay updated on what they're doing in the community. Search Still Clubhouse and Still Humboldt. North Coast Journal, award-winning in-depth reporting. Keep up with the latest at northcoastjournal.com. Photography by Shy. She spells it S-H-I. Portraits just right. Learn more at photographybyshy.com. And Trinidad Vacation Rental, luxury accommodations with amazing ocean views. Book at trinidadcaliforniarental.com. Humboldt last week. Here we go. Schools are closed, sports seasons canceled, nightlife is gone, restaurants are only doing takeout or delivery, the streets are almost bare at times, only essential businesses are open, we have an enforceable order to shelter in place, this is the Redwood Curtain unlike we've ever seen it. This is COVID-19 on the North Coast, we're hunkering down, we're doing our best to stay sane, we're trying to keep a routine. I mean, how's it working out for you? Now I'm practicing that social distancing, getting that six feet. It may be getting old, but hopefully, preventatively, we're keeping ourselves safe and hopefully we're keeping loved ones safe. Humble, we can do this. This is part of who we are in these divided times politically. I hope this real threat provides us perspective on what really matters and the importance of fighting for health together. We can follow all the vital COVID-19 updates at northcoastjournal.com and kimkemp.com. What about virus times back in the day? Just over a hundred years ago, Humboldt had some serious similar stuff going on. In Humboldt County, the 1918 influenza pandemic took around 200 lives, according to researchers. Now, last week, the Ferndale Enterprise posted a piece titled, It Has Happened Before. In this, they noted an Enterprise headline from back then, quote, 
It's unlawful for any person to appear on the streets of the town of Ferndale without a mask covering nose and mouth. Did post a link to that Enterprise article on the 1918 flu on the Humboldt Last Week Facebook. You can learn a lot from history. Humboldt's export and Grammy winner Sarah Bareilles had to cut her London trip short over COVID-19 concerns. She was doing a run of Waitress in London's West End. Reportedly, she headed back to the States early over travel concerns related to coronavirus. When she got back to the U.S., she said she immediately self-quarantined, tweeting, This is so serious, and for my lovelies out there who want to hang on to normalcy a bit longer, please stay home and make a new normal for a while. We have to help slow this down. Please stay home. Love you. Humble export Sarah Bareilles back home early from her London run of Waitress over coronavirus travel concerns. Also, the L.A. murder trial of former Humboldt resident Robert Durst was delayed at least three weeks over COVID-19 fears. ABC reported the multimillionaire real estate heir is aiming to resume his possible five-month trial on April 6th. Robert Durst, subject of HBO's The Jinx, lived in Trinidad in the 90s and now stands accused of flying into ACV in 2000 and driving down south to murder his friend Susan Berman. He's also been accused of additional murders. Again, L.A. murder trial of former Humboldt resident Robert Durst delayed. As are a lot of local Humboldt County criminal cases right now, as you've seen. Well, friends of Humboldt last week have been doing some good stuff to try and help and keep the community safe. I want to give a shout out to Jason and Jen from Primal Decor Tattoo and Body Piercing Studio, as well as Still and Eureka. From the Still location along Broadway and Eureka, they've been giving away homemade hand sanitizer. People have been driving up, honking, and they've been coming out in gloves and handing people hand sanitizer through the car window. Some words from them. We've closed the business down for normal operations. We're doing what we can to help out. Remember that while this is frightening, we're all in this together. This is the time that we shine Humboldt County. Now disclaimers still and Primal Decor are often sponsors of Humboldt last week. Here's a headline from the Los Angeles Times. Amid coronavirus outbreak, drive-in theaters unexpectedly find their moment. I love that idea for Humboldt. With movie theaters closed, let's bring back the midway between Arcata and Eureka. How awesome would that be? I'm going to do a couple of non-COVID-19 related stories. Uh, missing teenage girl out of Eureka. 17-year-old Faith Carrick was last seen apparently in good spirits at her house in Cutton on the 15th. She left a note that leads with this line, I just need to be on my own. Her parents and sister have been searching for her, and this is way out of the ordinary for her, they say. So you can read more via a report by Matt Lefevre via KimKemp.com about this missing teenage girl, 17-year-old from Eureka. Former Humboldt State University athlete Alex Kappa will block for Tom Brady next season. Last week, Brady, the former Patriot, finalized an agreement to join the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. 
When discussing the move, ESPN noted that Alex Kappa and his fellow interior offensive linemen were among the best groups in the NFL. Former Humboldt State University guy Alex Kappa, friend of the show, planning to protect Tom Brady, future Hall of Famer in Florida next season. All right, everyone, we're here with Arcata Dr. Connie Bash, who's thankfully agreed to talk to us about COVID-19. Thank you so much for your time, Connie. Sure. Well, first off, you know, can you tell me a little bit about the symptoms of COVID-19? And have you been seeing those symptoms in your patients? So we, we're seeing the symptoms. We don't know if we're seeing the disease yet because uh, we haven't been able to test most of the people who've been sick. Um, and the first few tests that we have sent out are not back yet. Um, but uh, what I'm hearing from other doctors who've seen confirmed cases is that the symptoms are generally those of a cold um, in the first week, that it's relatively mild, not super high fever, doesn't look like influenza where you get hit by a truck, but that it's more gradual, starting with sore throat um, and moving down into the chest. And that if people are going to get the severe disease, it's more like day eight or day nine where they start to develop shortness of breath and it's more concerning. So what do you say to people claiming that this is, you know, no different than the flu in terms of deadliness? Um, well, we're still trying to figure out the mortality rate because um, we don't know all of the asymptomatic and low symptom cases. Primarily in our country, at least, people have been tested as they're being admitted to the hospital. So we're only testing the most severely ill, which always makes the death rate look higher um, because there are a bunch of people walking out there who are unidentified. Um, but what it looks like from Wuhan and from other places in the world is that the death rate is at least 10 times that of the flu um, and possibly higher. So it is, it, it is potentially much more severe than seasonal influenza. We've heard a lot about the symptoms of COVID-19 typically getting deadlier with age. Would you agree with that? Um, the mortality rate is definitely higher for older patients, but in the U.S., it sounds like nearly half of the people hospitalized are under 55. So it can be severe even in the young. The first few cases I heard about were healthcare workers. Um, so, you know, 30-year-old residents in New York who were on intensive care. So I think this idea that if you're below a certain age that you're immune or that you don't have to worry, um, I think that's been sort of a dangerous message because I think it's leading to young people not taking it seriously, not isolating and not following the precautions um, that they need to for their own health, but also for that of everyone that they love and care about. Absolutely. I mean, I'm in Humboldt County. I've been seeing even as recently as yesterday, people wanting to congregate still. Um, which is unfortunate. So, and what about kids? Um, well, so I, I heard that there was either a mortality or a very severely ill five-year-old. So it's, again, it's not zero in children, but it seems to be that they are relatively spared compared to the pattern that we see with influenza. So in influenza, we see high mortality in children and in the elderly. In this virus, it looks like the kids are not as severely affected, but they certainly may be a vector for spread. So far in Humboldt, we've had one case of COVID-19, which was reportedly cured, and then another new case, uh, which officials believe was not transmitted in the Humboldt community. What do you believe are the chances the virus is spreading in Humboldt right now undetected? 
I think it's highly likely because there is so much cross-pollination between our area and the Bay Area and between our area and Seattle. I mean, I just, I'm shocked by how many of my own patients have been traveling um, back and forth from those places, as well as people going to Italy and, you know, coming home from various other places. So I'm sure that more than those two cases have introduced it here. Um, and because we have not had widespread community testing, we really have no idea. What are some things we could do to avoid getting COVID-19? You know, I think all the things the CDC is recommending and that our governor is recommending. So right now, staying home, um, not collecting with groups of people, figuring out how to connect, but you know, virtually um, with friends and get emotional support because we all need that still. Um, but yeah, staying away from other humans, um, washing your hands, you know, all all of those usual things about hand hygiene. So when you are out pumping gas or touching a doorknob or, you know, anything that you touch in the community potentially could have it on it. And so not touching your face until you're able to touch your, to wash your hands uh, is wise. I know there's a lot of people out there that kind of rely on like close contact services. I know that like, you know, cutting your hair, it's not really super essential, but you know, getting your hair cut, that's close contact or like going to the chiropractor. Should we just not do those things for a while? I absolutely recommend that. We've stopped. And, you know, this is a moving target. So I'll say in our office, we've changed our policies three times this week. Um, but right now, we're not seeing anybody for routine physical exams. We're seeing almost all of our patients by video chat. If I absolutely had, like I had one patient who was, who couldn't empty her bladder and who I had to see so I could teach her how to pass catheter. So we see, you know, very few patients in the office. Our patients with respiratory infections we're seeing outside um, and triaging them and taking limited vitals because we can't adequately sterilize our blood pressure cuffs. So we're avoiding even those kinds of contacts. I'm certainly not providing acupuncture to the patients that I normally treat that way. Um, we're just trying to keep physical distance. And I think certainly things like haircuts should go by the wayside. Definitely. So what about like avoiding sugar and, you know, getting good exercise? Of course, those are probably things you'd recommend as well, right? Yes, absolutely. You know, I was just joking with somebody that this has been the cure for my sugar problem. Because <laughs> every time I start to think about eating something that I know will suppress my immune system, it gives me pause. Um, and so I think, you know, take advantage of that one particular benefit. Don't drink excessive alcohol. That is really a disaster for immune function. I think for people who are deconditioned, um, I was just reading an article that suggested that even slight preconditioning for the elderly, say, who are very sedentary and you don't walk much, that just a little bit of extra exercise might give them an edge if they do develop a severe respiratory infection. So I think, you know, for all of us, getting enough sleep, avoiding sugar and alcohol, um, taking, you know, walks, like getting some gentle exercise, that's all a good thing. We chatted a couple of weeks ago, and you were talking about the need for more COVID-19 testing. Uh, do you think things have improved locally for testing since then? Um, public health uh, has an increased capacity for tests. And we haven't actually, so we, I guess three weeks ago, we were very frustrated with our inability to test people who were sick. A week and a half ago, Quest came out with their private test, and we do have those kits now. So I think private testing is available. 
and public health's capacity for testing has also increased. So there are more tests available. The, the news that I was just reading this morning was that the, the recommendation right now is that we limit testing for a different reason, and this has been an issue already in my office. We haven't been able to get personal protective equipment. I had um, two remaining N95 masks because I use them to visit one of my patients whose house is very moldy. Um, but we had, like, I literally had two masks and you're not supposed to reuse them. Um, fortunately, one of my patients works at a dental office where they have some extra, so she was able to give us some. But every time I test someone, we're using a disposable gown, which cost me $10, plus gloves, plus a mask. And what they're now saying is that because in hospital settings, they're running out of gowns and masks and things to protect healthcare providers, that only people with severe symptoms should be tested, that people with mild symptoms should not be tested, um, because the ability to test and contain has been passed. Now, I'll say that I read that article, and that is probably true in places like San Francisco, New York, and Louisiana. I don't know if that's true in Humboldt County, because I suspect we don't have a lot of cases yet. So I think, you know, I think uh, this is I, I, this is one of those situations where I wish there were people smarter than me who were making a triage decision and giving us instruction um, rather than me reading the Washington Post and trying to decide what's locally appropriate. But probably we shouldn't be doing widespread testing for people with mild symptoms. And what our practice has been telling people is to stay home if your symptoms are mild and stay away from people. Consider that you may have it and be considerate of others. Um, but that if you are starting to develop shortness of breath, we do want to test you. And because there can be a two-day turnaround, we want to hear from people when they're starting to develop shortness of breath before things are severe. So figuring out that timing is probably the, the you know, the million-dollar question these days. Well, you had mentioned an access to, you know, supplies and equipment. And in other parts of the world with overcrowded hospitals like Italy, you know, doctors are having to decide whose lives to save based on equipment shortages. You know, in the North Coast Journal, they reported something like 25-ish ventilators in Humboldt right now. Is that something that's concerning to you? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Because even in normal times, and, you know, honestly, I don't even know if ventilators are going to be the limiting factor. In normal times, I frequently cannot admit people to the hospital because we don't have enough nursing. So when we don't have enough nurses, they can't open those beds. And so people need to get transferred out. And there are times when we literally wait two to three days for there to be a bed available elsewhere. So I think that there, if, if, there is uncontrolled spread in our area. There will be excessive deaths simply because we will not have the personnel and the equipment in order to save the people who might otherwise be saved. Oh, we need beds. We need manpower. We need equipment. We need supplies. We need it all now. Yeah. Well, and, you know, manpower, like in a rural area, and this is true all across the U.S. in rural areas, there literally aren't enough doctors just to see people for routine things. And we certainly don't have enough uh, hospital providers and intensivists. The other thing I'll say is that in places like Italy and in Wuhan, um, up to 10% of the cases have been healthcare providers. 
that healthcare providers are frequently infected, and so we're going to lose some percentage of our workforce. And when you have, you know, a couple of pulmonary doctors, if any of them get sick, that's a huge problem. So, yeah, we our, our best bet is to try to prevent an onslaught to the hospitals. We will not deal with it well if we have a lot of people sick up here. There's this old anti-malaria drug, hydroxychloroquine. There's also this drug called remdesivir. Uh, both of these are being floated as ways to treat COVID-19. And, you know, apparently they're being allowed compassionate use by the CDC. Do you feel that's promising? Um, I think it's all purely for prime time. Um, that we don't know yet how effective those things are going to be. And I'm glad that they're not just using them for compassionate use. They're actually doing clinical trials to try to determine what may be helpful. Um, but I will say that, you know, figuring that, oh, if I get sick, they can treat me with um, hydroxychloroquine, it, I think is very premature. We have no idea what the effectiveness is. And I'll say even, you know, for drugs like Tamiflu that have been out and that have been studied, it's better than placebo, but it certainly doesn't cure everyone. The patient I sent to the hospital this morning had Tamiflu for her influenza, which we know she had, um, and still got a pneumonia afterwards. And now, even despite antibiotics, is getting worse. So, you know, all of our treatments, they work better than doing nothing, but none of them are 100%. So I wouldn't be complacent. Right. I, well, I think, you know, for me, the most promising treatment that they're working on is um, they're looking at possibly drawing plasma from patients who have had mild infections and pooling that to create an um, immune globulin that could be given to future patients. So that won't be available for months, but that might be available even like at the beginning of the summer. Um, so that, that looks like the most promising treatment to me so far. Um, they're studying it already in China, and there's a clinical trial starting at Hopkins now here. Well, Connie, I mean, I just have to thank you, you know, for being on the front lines there, you and all of the other healthcare providers, nurses, you know, grocery store clerks, emergency service providers, all of you that are on the front lines of this, I have to thank you. Um, is there anything else that you wanted to mention? Um, there are a couple of things, actually, if you don't mind. Um, of course, please One do. of them is that we, you know, some very basic things may be preventive. And I don't want to make claims because we obviously don't know for this virus. But we do know for the common cold and for influenza that just plain eating probiotic foods is beneficial. So there was a nursing home study where a half a cup of kefir a day lowered the um, influenza attack rate by 40%. So I'm telling people, drink kefir, eat yogurt, take a probiotic. That is likely to be beneficial. Vitamin D is likely to be beneficial. For children, taking oral zinc is likely to be beneficial, and maybe for adults as well. So, you know, in addition to the healthy habits that we talked about before, those specific things may be beneficial. Um, and then yep. some of the herbs that help with immune support, in colds and flus, we're hoping will also help with um, with this infection. So I'm telling people if you come down with something, my personal recommendation is pelargonium. We don't know for this virus, but we do know for other coronaviruses like the common cold that it, it shortens the course and lowers the symptom severity. What was that again? Pelargonium. It's what's in umka. Okay. 
What's that? I mean, I, I'm sorry. I, you know, Never what is that? <laughs> no. Um, it's it's uh, an African geranium. Go figure. Um, but it's been studied for bronchitis and sinusitis and a variety of other upper respiratory symptoms. Um, and it, it does appear to lower the symptom severity and shorten the course of those viruses. Again, nobody knows for COVID, but that would be, that's what I'm recommending to my patients. That's what I'm planning on giving to my child if he gets sick. Um, so where do we get that? Um, at, well, hopefully um, at the local um, European Natural Foods, Wild Berries, Co-op. Um, we're finding in our practice that a lot of the immune support supplements that we normally sell to people or provide for our patients are on back order with the manufacturers. Um, and again, you know, I just said this was the other thing that I wanted to say was that there is a tendency to hoard, and I understand it, that people are afraid of scarcity, um, but I also think that it, it leads to misdirected resources. So we're starting to limit the number of bottles of anything we can sell to patients. At some point, we're going to run out completely of things. And I would say for anybody who wants to buy more than they need for the next month or so, of anything, think about your neighbor who will not have that item at all. Um, so th that's like the worst side of people, the dark side that's coming out. I think the other thing that I want to say is that our community is amazing in terms of people banding together to do things like go shopping for the elderly and and deliver things. Um, I you know the next door app has people who are volunteering to help their neighbors. Um, I think that's a huge need. I, I'll say that same patient um, when she developed influenza. She was sort of trapped in her trailer, and we had a lovely pharmacist who volunteered to take out Tamiflu from a pharmacy that does not normally deliver um, so that she could get her medication because she had caught the flu from her caregiver who was also sick. So I think think about your neighbors. Who among you may not be safe to go to the grocery store um, and what you can do for them. And so all the ways that we can band together and help the more vulnerable people to limit their contact um, are, are so important right now. Absolutely. Well, we got to band together. We got to support each other. Got to get some immune support, get some kombucha, some probiotics and all that good stuff like Connie recommended. Kombucha is not a probiotic. Sorry, I'm just going to interrupt for that. Oh, it's not. I, did, I thought it was. Well, it's heavily marketed as a probiotic, but most of the medical literature about kombucha is about adverse reactions. I do not recommend it. I think kefir and yogurt have a tremendous amount of research supporting their benefits. And the organisms in kombucha are different. Ah, learning new things. I know I irritate the local kombucha fans, but um, I, I really, until they can show me data that shows that it decreases disease, I don't think that's your best bet. Well, I got to stop making it taste so dang good then. Cause... Well, I know. Yeah, I do have patients who love it, and I say, okay, drink your kombucha, but also drink some kefir. <laughs> okay, we will. Thank you so much, Connie. Really do appreciate that. Thanks hey, a lot. Um, I'll be uh, out tuning in for more, I'm sure. <laughs> I think, I mean, I do think that we, that the isolation order came early enough for up here, hopefully, um, that things are, that it's possible for us to flatten that curve. So hopefully people will actually heat it. Oh, I hope so too. Really do. Thanks again to Arcata Dr. Connie Bash for chatting with me about that. I want to wrap things up with our comment of the week. This one comes from friend of the show, Jen, 
Last week, I spoke about giving credit where credit is due after a local organization seemingly ripped an article off of me without credit. She said, quote, You know, plagiarism has resulted in firings, expulsions, etc. Interesting that's being covered up in Humboldt County. Thanks a ton for your support, Jen, and I do want to reiterate that spreading the message of that story in question was way more important to me than getting credit. But I am thankful for your support, Jen, and for the support of everyone that benefits from this hopefully informative show in some way. That concludes our show. Humboldt Last Week is free thanks to Bongo Boy Studio in McKinleyville, the North Coast Co-op in Arcata and Eureka, the North Coast Journal, Photography by Shy, TrinidadCaliforniaRental.com, Brick and Fire Bistro in Eureka, and Still Head Shop and Culture Store in Eureka. Links to all of them at HumboldtLastWeek.com. HumboldtLastWeek.com also hosts curated music playlists featuring fresh finds from The Killers, Vantagram, Nothing But Thieves, Saint Motel, and Joywave, High-quality sounds, no static, no ads with Spotify Premium, hundreds of songs, and again, that's all at HumboldtLastWeek.com. Thanks to Redheaded Black Belt, North Coast Journal, and 99.1 KISS FM Mondays for their support of Humboldt Last Week. My name is Miles Cochran. I'm a journalist and radio host that has long covered this community. Uh, I may be taking a break next week, but I hope to speak to you again in a couple of weeks. Thanks for your time. Bye. Humboldt Last Week.